quit being the world's best kept secret. Your time is now. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, and today I have a resilience expert, inspiring speaker, entrepreneur, success coach, fierce leader, best-selling author, mentor, mom, survivor, advocate, and my favorite, limit pusher. Please welcome to the show. We have Karen Dean. She is an incredible motivational speaker, coach, entrepreneur, best-selling author who shares her own personal stories of resilience and proven tools for success while inspiring audiences and clients with amazing sense of positivity. She has been featured on CBC, Global TV, CTV Atlantic, as well as numerous podcasts around the world and publications like Chronicle Herald, Truro Daily News and Hub Now. Recognized as the RBC Canadian Women Entrepreneur Awards as a nominee four times, Karen has operated successful businesses in many different industries for over 25 years. Karen has published two books to date, and I have a feeling there's going to be more in her future. We are unbreakable, raw, real stories of resilience from women in Nova Scotia in 2020. And this is a compilation book sharing inspiring stories of 22 women. Fearless and Fabulous, a self-love journal, which provides reader with daily practice to reconnect to their inner self and become even more successful. Karen's messages spring from a mountain of lived experiences. She is passionate about her mission to help people reboot their resilience, live their best life personally and professionally, a purpose she lives for in her own life every day. Please welcome Karen Dean to the Millionaire Woman Show. Thank you so much. Even though I see that intro all the time, it just makes me tear up every time I hear someone read it out loud. So thank you. You're very welcome, Karen. And I'm really excited to have you here because, you know, we got talking at the beginning and I was like, this is what happens when I have these amazing guests. We get talking at the beginning. I'm like, you know what? We should just hit record because we really got this organic conversation going and really want to dive into Karen's story because I was on her website and I know she has many lived experiences to demonstrate resilience to all of us in everyday lives. So Karen, what led you? What is some of the steps that kind of drew you into being this resiliency expert and how you also became that limit pusher? Well, life. Um, I always say that I teach clients from my experience, not necessarily from anything I've read in a book, because we have a lot of resilience experts who maybe haven't lived it and are teaching tools that they just have read about and know that they work. I know that they work because I've lived them. I have been tested so many times. Um, my resilience, not only as a business owner with trying to build multiple businesses, but in my personal life, um, two abusive marriages. I've been single parenting for 12 years. Two of my three kids have had very serious health issues. Um, I've had the toxic family issues. All the things um, that tested my resilience. And 
I don't tell those stories for anyone to feel bad for me because my life is incredible. I have this amazing life. And that's what I want for everyone is to know that you can go through some really, really hard things and still have an amazing life. So that's why I do the work that I do. And I just, I really just got pulled to do it. It was listening to the intuition, the voices in my head to say, you know what, people need your help. You have important stories to tell and you need to start telling them. And that's how I got to this job. And, and the limit pushing that started when my son was born um, in 2000. I was told uh, when he was seven and a half weeks old that he would probably never be able to walk or talk because he was born with a permanent brain injury. Mm -hmm. And I got really upset, of course, like every parent would. I did some research on uh, what he has is called periventricular leukomalacia, which is a scientific term to mean softening of the white matter near the ventricles. But he has all kinds of issues with his brain structure and still does, but he is as normal as the rest of us because we pushed, I pushed him so hard. He pushed himself so hard and I pushed the limits of every doctor and professional that I spoke with. Um, I asked for referrals. I didn't take no for an answer. I said, that's not going to be my kid. And that's where I started the limit pushing and it's just gotten easier. The more you do it, it's that's resilience in a nutshell right there is building the muscle. Um, and the more times you do it, the easier it gets. And that's, he started my limit pushing and uh, I'm still pushing limits. You know, when I'm listening to you, the th things that come to mind is there's so many people out there that have these curveballs of life that show up. And we know that there's the fight, flight or freeze response. And many go into that place of freeze because they have this belief that maybe they're not deserving or they're kind of in this panic, like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And they feel like they're, they're not within their control and just blindly wanting to take that magic bullet, right? That magic silver, you know, the magic pill that's going to solve everything that, you know, when people think about diets, that's one of the things. But what I realize when it comes to resilience, and maybe you can share one of your stories, um, because we do talk about life, leadership and business. So even if you can tap on something in each one of those, that would be fabulous. Is that the key phrase that you said, that's not going to be my son, we all can say, that's not going to be my life and mm -hmm. move from that paralysis. Cause what I've learned along my own personal journey is that when we move past paralysis, when we are asking and seeking help, like you said, and, you know, asking for a second opinion or asking for an opportunity, these are all limit pushings for ourselves, but it also moves us in the direction of healing, getting healthier, and creating that life that we want. And when we're in that paralysis, that freeze mode, because our amygdala was hijacked, and we didn't move into the fight, we didn't move into, you know, fight, flight, or like freeze, that freeze part really holds us back from doing anything. And you might even, you know, when I think about people in my life, or maybe even your life, Karen, you probably sit there and think, okay, I can see you freezing. You're not ready to get help. 
And how do you, you know, because I know you're a success coach as well. How do you help people move from being in that freeze to actually starting to seek the help so that they can be resilient? I try to give them a tool to avoid the freeze. And the tool is quite simple and something we don't consciously think about. And it is to breathe. So what I've learned through so many hard things is if you, when you get the bad news, when you, whatever it is, when the person says something to you that is meant to upset you is to stop and breathe, consciously take three or five super deep breaths and only think about breathing. And when you're done those, like, and it takes seconds, when you have done that seconds of breathing, your brain is going to react in a, more, in a healthier way because your brain needs oxygen to work properly. And we all do it. As soon as we get the hard thing, we freeze, we stop breathing, we tense up. So by intentionally breathing, which sounds so simple, it really does change how we react. And the other thing I talk to clients and everyone that I talk to, basically friends, everybody is to remind them that we have everything inside of us that we need to get through every situation that could ever be presented to us. We do. We don't always believe it because we've listened for years to other people's thoughts, other people's opinions of us. Um, you know, when we're kids, we're told you can't do that. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not whatever enough. And that goes into our adulthood and so it's about being conscious um, because 95% of what we do every day comes from our subconscious mind so it's about reprogramming that subconscious to believe yeah it is so interesting because you know when people are saying that you're not good enough or you you shouldn't really try that they're wanting to protect you but what I've come to also realize is that they wouldn't do those things for themselves. Right. It's about them. It's not about you. Yeah. They are putting their limits on you when they are saying you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And sometimes um, I actually just posted on LinkedIn um, about the situation. Um, I was at an event a few weeks ago. There was an older woman there. I mean, she was in her eighties older and I had a younger woman who knew her quite well and who also knows me come up to me and say, um, you need to keep your distance from her. And I said, pardon me. And she said, she finds you too much. And I wasn't doing anything to be too much. I was just there um, talking to people and like I wasn't the center of attention at all. And we talked about it later and she said, I'm sorry. I just wanted to protect you from her because I know what she's like. And she's very jealous of strong, independent women. Wow. And I thought, and she's in her eighties. And I thought, wow, like to go through life and still never believe that you have a light to shine and that somebody's outshining you is really sad to me. Right. Um, yeah. That, and so I encourage people, the gratitude, the building each other up, the looking at other people's successes as inspiration instead of from jealousy, those are the things that get you where you need to go. 
is to celebrate success, not think it's a bad thing. And I, it goes for life and business because we see it in every aspect. Um, but to just remember that um, these people are succeeding because they believe and you can too. And there's enough abundance for everybody. Um, there's no limit to the abundance in our world. So it's, it's really about believing and programming ourselves to believe and programming ourselves to see the good. Um, so I have a friend who often sees the bad in situations and I test her. I said, okay, what, what good happened today? And just changing that mindset is so powerful. You know, I, I want to dive into that scenario a little bit more. When I think about that 80 year old self, you know, we sometimes would say, what would your 80 year old self say to your younger self now? I'd be curious as to what that individual would share with her younger self. Maybe based on what you shared, it would be something like, don't, don't be too big. Don't yeah. share too much. Right. Versus imagine if she was her most expansive self. And when I say expansive of letting that light from her shine, because, you know, if, if we think about and imagine that if everybody had the opportunity to allow themselves to be themselves and shine, I can imagine what our world would be like. Yeah, it would be so much brighter for starters. And, and just, I think everyone would have more success because we would all be lifting each other up. And I actually kind of use what you said, but in reverse, um, when I do keynotes is I talk about what would your five-year-old self think of you today? Like she, he, they would be so proud because when you're five and you're dreaming of all the, of all the things that you could be, and now you, I guarantee you, you've accomplished some of them, if not all of them. Um, so I always look at it as what would I say to my five-year-old self? And if when I look in the mirror and if I was talking to a little five-year-old girl, would I say that to her? And that's one of the most powerful things that I find is I think about little five-year-old me and think, would I say that to her? When I look in the mirror and go, oh my God, you look horrible today. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say that to my five-year-old self. Um, and it really helps um, to change those words in your head. You know, because, I know, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say the voice that you hear the most is your own voice in your head. So you have to make sure it is saying positive things. And that's very important because I think about, you know, I'm just going to grab something here and maybe you use this as a tool too, but I learned this, this past year from uh, Darius Bashar. He's out of Toronto to keep a little, I don't know if you can see this, yes. keep a picture of your younger self by your desk. Mm -hmm. And whenever you catch yourself in that kind of mood that you're going to be spiraling into a negative mood to look over at that picture and remind yourself that's who you're talking to. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So when you think about one of your life situations, and, you know, breathing, I know it interrupts the cycle that as soon as you're thinking that breath will be, give you that force of oxygenation and it's kind of like a reset. But when life throws you this curveball, let's say 
um, an illness, uh, something that you're not expecting at work, maybe if someone got fired, how would they look at a situation? Like they take their deep breath and they're like, now what? What would be the top three things that you would tell them from taking that deep breath? First thing, you have permission to feel all the feelings. Um, that's one of the things that we, I think have been programmed to do our whole lives is you know to be the tough guy and do hold it all in, but that's not healthy. So it's okay to say, okay, I'm scared right now, or I'm really worried right now. Um, I find it powerful to write it down and journal about it. I also find it powerful to talk about it. I always say I'm a verbal processor. So kind of look at what helped you the most to get those feelings out. Because resilience isn't about avoiding the feelings. It's about walking through the feelings. Mm. Um, and I always say you can have a bad minute can have a bad hour you can have a a bad like afternoon but I try to never let something ruin my entire day I try to find the good in every single day because no matter what bad things are happening there's still something good so those are the some of the things to help and it's important to just focus and find the baby steps that are going to get you through this tough situation. So um, the how isn't always that easy to figure out, but you have to think, okay, what can I do in this moment to make this moment a little easier? Yeah. And then you just have to worry about the next minute and the next minute. Um, but I say it's okay to not be okay. You just can't live there. Mm. And so you have to Admit that this is hard. Talk to the people around you in the situation. Um, talk to someone you trust just to get it out. It Maybe that someone is your journal. Maybe it's an actual person. Get it out. Talk it out. And then you can approach it in a more healthy way. Okay, I'm just going to put it out there. Because the first thing that came to my mind was that when someone has things and they want to go talk to someone they get concerned about feeling like they're vomiting on someone with their stuff, mm -hmm. or they feel like they make others uncomfortable with their stuff. How can you approach someone to talk to without putting them in their own discomfort or because you're, you're wanting just to share or maybe get some support, but at the same time, you know, you can see that they're kind of squirming in their seat and you're picking up on that. And then you start shutting down. How is it that you can keep that conversation open without feeling that you are causing more discomfort for yourself or maybe other people? I always start with a disclaimer. Um, I have a few friends that I do um, talk to about things quite a bit. So I may start with, okay, I have a rant. Are you ready? And sometimes they say, no, they're not. So then I know I need to go to somebody else. Or I say, look, I need to get something out. I just need to say the words. I don't want your opinion. I don't want it to affect your day. I just need to say the words to get it out of my system. And so give them permission to just sit there and nod their head. and and tell them, you know, this isn't about you. I don't need you to solve this problem. I just need to talk about it. Um, and I think that allows them to not internalize it and to just, you know, give them permission to let it go in one ear and out the other and just say, look, 
I need to rant. Can you handle it today? Yeah. And um, like I said, some sometimes people have said no, like, nope, I'm not up for it today. And I respect that. Um, and then when I'm done, I'm like, hey, thank you for listening. And sometimes they will have some feedback and say, look, I saw this and I felt this. Um, and you have to be willing to take their feedback. Um, but it's really just about finding that person who you know will not take it personally because it isn't about them. It's about you. And so you don't want to affect their mental health or, you know, you don't know how people are going to interpret it. So you want to give them permission to forget it as soon as you say it. Some people aren't capable of that and we need to accept that. And some people are. So it's about finding that person who has the ability to do that. You know, I'm glad that you said that because I know people who are empathic that once they get into hearing your story or whatever you're needing to unload, they absorb that they don't know what is theirs anymore and what is yours. So right. it's really important. That disclaimer is really important in doing that. And the metaphor or visual that I got as you were sharing that was either holding a big boulder in your hands or this heavy backpack that you're about to take off, but you're not passing it to someone else to hang on to. You're actually setting it down. You're taking yes. it off yourself. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. And, and I make sure I tell them like, I don't want this to affect your day. I yeah. just get it out because it, I need to get it out of my body. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I'm thinking of, you know, when you have people who come, like, sometimes I'll be like, after they, they've, they didn't give me the disclaimer in the beginning. And I'm like, are you wanting me to give you some advice? Were you wanting me just to hear you? And what I've come to realize is, you know, sometimes my daughter will say, I just needed to let it out, like you said. And this is what some people maybe won't understand. But when you think about it, as Karen and I talk, you might have this new awareness of that when people talk about it out loud, they can be external processing, yeah. right? And when they're external processing, they have their own aha moments or their own insight into hearing themselves, their own voice speaking their own truth. Karen, I'll let you expand a little bit more on that. Um, that is exactly what happens um, when you start saying the words, you actually can start solving the problem for yourself because it's just in that power of speaking it that helps you solve problems. And I, when my son was, um, it's not a diagnosis, when I got the description of his um, brain injury, I said out loud, that is not going to be my kid. And that gave me power to say that out loud. And I said it to my three-year-old daughter who knew nothing. Um, but just to put the words out there gives it power. And that works for negative and positive things. So if you're putting negative out to the world, you're going to get more negative back. But if you're putting positive out to the world, you will get more positive back. And that's really like words have power. And so to get them out, to get the negative out and then turn it into a positive. And as you're speaking it, thinking about how you're solving your own problem, 
that's where your power lies. So I love what you just said. So you're taking back your power. But what I also hear you saying, and, and this is a strong thing that you know, I've been talking about as well, but I would love to hear your take on this is not to accept the label. Like I, I understand, you know, and I, and I've worked in healthcare, so I'm, I'm not going into criticizing it at all, but I know for personally, when you're healing or you are moving through things and it, whether it be a diagnosis, it might be that you call yourself, well, I'm a procrastinator, right? So you're putting a label and one of the things, you know, what I, when I look at the information you shared with me, we all have hard things yeah. and what's one person's hard. The other one will be like, well, I've been through that. I I'm survived. Okay. But we all have the different tools. We all have a different inner drive that we are motivated by. But one of the things that I recognize is, you know, that self-conscious beliefs of the labels we tell ourselves, they can be from childhood, they could be from professors, coaches, people we've respected. And mm -hmm. I would love to hear your take on, you know, defining your, how people define themselves, what they choose as their identity impacts how resilient they are. For sure. And I think you hit the nail on the head is how we define ourselves. And that's something I work with with clients is, are you defining yourself by what somebody else labeled you as, or are you defining yourself by who you are? And so one of my seven steps to resilience is focusing on what you want. Um, you know, are you a, a doctor because your parents told you, you to be a doctor? I actually have a young friend now who's just finished her second year of university in nursing. She went into nursing because her grandmother was a nurse and somebody else was a nurse and somebody else was a nurse and they expected her to be a nurse and she hates it. And I said, so why are you doing it? And I think it's so important for us to um, look at what we really want and look at how we label ourselves and are we labeling ourselves with something positive? So, um, I do not have a relationship with my mom anymore, haven't for five years, and I would not be doing the work that I'm doing right now if I still did. I wouldn't, this book behind me, We Are Unbreakable, is a Canadian bestseller. I would never have even thought about putting that book together if I still had my mom in my life, because she would have said, who do you think you are? You can't do that. Um, things like that. Funny story that's not as serious, but I always had short hair until recently. And I didn't even realize that why I let my hair grow. And people often ask me like, oh, you look great with long hair. Why did you always have short hair? And I really sat down and thought about it one day. And it was because my mom always said um, that I looked horrible with long hair. And every time my hair would start growing longer, she'd go, you need a haircut, it looks horrible. And I didn't even consciously realize that I was letting my hair grow now that my mom wasn't in my life anymore. So it's proved to me uh, how our subconscious just runs our life and how it's programmed by other people. And my goal is to help people reprogram it so that it's your programming, not 
the opinions of other people that are you letting, you are allowing them to keep you small or to keep you from doing what you dream of doing. And we're all guilty of it. I think, I, I don't imagine there's anyone on the planet that could say that they haven't let what someone else has said about them affect some part of their lives. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because I've also heard, you know, the, the message that the, the person who comes into your life that might say something, they're kind of the messender. Um, but what you're also looking at is using your own discernment. Did you attach to the story? Did you internalize where that came from? And is it a value to you? Is it actually serving you? Because I think people get caught up in this this person said this to me, so it must be true. Right. And it doesn't mean it has to be true. It's that you internalize that story. So how can people break free of those stories? Like I know you, you had some detachment or dissociation, but what are some other ways that people could, you know, start changing the story or letting go of the story that they once believed? Again, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's powerful is focusing on the good, focusing on gratitude, being grateful for the things you do have in your life. And that's speaking kindly to yourself piece of like looking at little you and speaking kindly. And I was given a tool that I value more than anything in my life um, by a life coach uh, 11, 12 years ago. And she, I went to her, um, it was at the time I thought a huge investment in myself because she wanted $150 for her coaching program. And I was like, I can't spend that money on myself. And I did. And she um, talked to me about all the things that were horrible in my life. And I kept saying, blaming other people. And she said, what have you done to make these things happen in your life? And I was like, what do you mean? Like these people did all these things to me. And the first tool she gave me was, but you allowed it. And I thought, wow. I did. I You're did. in the middle of that and you received that message. I can't imagine how you felt, Karen. I was very upset, but I thought about it. I'm like, I did. I allowed those people to treat me the way that they did. I allowed those people in my life, um, like my ex-husbands who abused me. I didn't think I was worthy of more than that. Mm. And the next tool she gave me was a postcard that I still have in my bathroom and I give it to clients and I pass it out when I do keynotes. It has some very simple words on it that are really hard to say. But she said, I want you to take this home, put it by a mirror that you look at often and say these words to yourself every single day. And the words are, I deeply and completely love myself. And it took me two years before I could say that without feeling really uncomfortable. And when I give that tool during keynotes and get like the whole room to repeat it with me, there are always tears. And I don't think this is a man woman thing. I think men need to love themselves more too. Yeah. Um, and that tool changed my life to be able to say you love yourself changes your life to be able to confidently look at yourself in the mirror and say that 
which I know so many of us would find it hard to do. But again, I think we overthink the things that will help us get to where we need to go because they can be the simplest things like those few words said to yourself every single day changes the whole traje trajectory of your life. It did for me. Um, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if she had not given me that tool. And that's such a powerful tool because it also makes me think of the, the selfies. We all take them at one time or another, you know, and, but when people start judging them, the person taking the picture at the gym is an example that I, you know, people say they're just trying to show off. And I'm like, you know what, really sit back and think about what you just said. You know, when someone's taking that selfie, you don't know their story. They mm -hmm. could have had a really crappy day and suddenly they're showing up strong or they lifted some heavy weights and they're like feeling empowered again. Or maybe they are taking it just to look at themselves, but it also shows that they're in there doing the work. Hopefully they're doing the work, right? And most of the times the people who do, I'm like, wow, you're working hard. Cause I know that it takes a lot to get to look like that, right? So, you know, there's very few people who are genetically. No, exactly. Especially with age, right? Especially yes. with age. But, you know, when it when I'm thinking about taking back our power and the simplest thing that you said was self-love, and I know you have a self-love journal. Yeah. What are some of the things that people need to do? Like, you know, I've heard of people say with the exercise of being able to say, I love you in front of the mirror and they cannot look at themselves. I know people who don't even like to look in the mirror or have their photos taken because they don't believe they're worthy or deserving of their own compliment from themselves. So I'd love for you to dive into, because, you know, people are like self-love. Is it just candles and bubble bath? And I love that you, you know, because men listen to the show as well, to, that we need to sprinkle that self-love to them as well. So I'd mm -hmm. love for you to really talk some more about your journal. What are some of the key components of self-love and what does it really mean? Self-love is really being able to say that to yourself and not thinking it's a bad thing to celebrate ourselves. And I think that's a program that we've all been taught is that somehow celebrating yourself is a bad thing. And it's totally not. It doesn't mean you're arrogant. It means you are appreciating the work that you have put into this beautiful being that you are. And, you know, those people at the gym, yep, they work hard to look like that because I don't look like that. And I look at them and thinking, girl, look at you, or, you know, it takes a lot of commitment to do those hard things. And I think we should be celebrating it more. And my um, self-love journal is really simple tools. It's writing down a positive affirmation every day. I am, it can be, I am beautiful. I am intelligent. I am successful, whatever that looks like for you that day. It's three things you did to be kind to yourself today which we really overthink. And I have a list on my website of some things you can do to be kind to yourself that are really simple. Um, and it's things that you do to be kind to others um, because being doing something kind for somebody else can really fill you up. And it's um, three things you love about yourself. And most people who have bought the journal find that one the hardest mm -hmm. from what they've told me 
is to come up with the first three, but then to come up with three different ones down the road because you you do the same thing every single day. So, you know, that's the key it, thing, right? Yeah. Can you come up with three different things. Same thing with gratitude, right? Yeah. Can you come up with three different things versus having the same thing said every day? Right. And, and the things we're grateful for, we really overthink that too. I am grateful for my backyard. I am grateful that the sun is shining today. Um, I'm grateful that the hurricane, I'm here, in, I'm in Nova Scotia. We had a hurricane on the weekend. I'm grateful it didn't do any damage on my property. It doesn't have to be something huge to really change your, your mindset and to really bring something positive through your day. And that's what I always say, like, don't overthink it. What are the little things that light you up and celebrate those and encourage other people to celebrate them, especially um, parents? I love to talk to parents because, I mean, our kids, it's hard to be a, a kid these days. So make sure you're building your kids up and giving them these tools at a young age, because I didn't get these tools at a young age and, and I wish I had. Um, so it's so important to um, teach our kids that things are going to be hard and this is how you deal with it because the, everybody gets a red ribbon doesn't work when we get to adulthood. So we have to empower ourselves and the next generation with the tools to be resilient and to get through the hard things because there will be hard things. And I like what you said that my hard thing might not be a hard thing to somebody else. Um, somebody else's hard thing might not seem hard to me because of, you know, the things that I've already dealt with in my life, but we have to give each other space to accept that. And that someone else's hard thing might not seem hard to you, but that doesn't mean it's not hard to them. And we can also, we have to accept that we can be going through a really hard thing, but we can still be happy. Mm. So I got that when my son had cancer, everyone was like, you just published a book while your son had cancer and you're doing all these things. And I said, yes, because you know what? They're still good. And my son had the easiest cancer journey I've ever seen anyone have. And I think it's because he had the tools. And that's a testament to the role that you take, but also that looking for the good. I think there's so many interesting things that, you know, there's different scenarios. I know someone that they had their water tank go. And they're like, this is devastating. It's, we got a, it was an unexpected expense and the flooring's now molding and this is happening. And then they, and I looked at them and I said, I'm giving you 24 hours. Come back to me with three things. Yeah. You are coming good at the situation. And it ended up, it was covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, and what else? <laughs> you know, yeah. and they were able to renovate a few more things in that home. And I was just like, wow. So it wasn't that bad after all, was it? Right. You know? And then it's, and it's like this new awareness that if you take time to actually pause and look for the good, you will be surprised at what comes forward before you start jumping to thinking that there's this devastation. The other thing I want to address is how you talked about the overanalyzing. What, what is happening to us that we get caught in overanalyze? Because it's a cycle, right? You can 
be in there for a long time thinking you need to have all the answers and you're wanting to find solutions, but you're actually focused on the problem. But you're sitting there overanalyzing, I should have, could have, would have. Tell us a little bit more about overanalyzing and how we can break free of some of that. It's that training your brain. And it's about um, being conscious and and saying, okay, I need to stop this right now. Like this is a roller coaster I need to get off of. And then changing your brain. So instead of this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Like I like that you gave that person 24 hours. Give yourself permission to feel those feelings for a short time and then say, okay, now I need to find a, a fix. And that's exactly what I did when my son got sick was I looked at all of the horror stories online of all these parents who had babies with the same thing he had. And I just went, nope, not, I'm not doing that. That's not going to be our story. And then I started looking for solutions. So it's not that we can't have that moment of, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. We just, like I said, you can have those moments, you just can't live there. You have to bring yourself out of it, talk yourself out of it, be conscious about it. Don't let that 95% subconscious part of your brain keep you in that circle. Take your 5% and go, okay, we're gonna look at this seriously now. And we're gonna take step one, it's called the insurance company. Oh, great, it's covered. Now I get new flooring. Now I get new paint on those walls. I always wanted to redo that bedroom, you know, whatever it is. So it's about really stopping, stopping the brain and go, okay, now what? And the baby steps. We, we so often we look at how am I going to do this? And sometimes we're never going to figure out the how, but by putting the positive out there, like I am going to get through this, the how figures itself out. That limit pushing. Limit pushing. Back to the beginning. Yeah, it's back to the beginning. And I think this is one of the mantras, you know, not only what you said on the postcard, uh, but also this is not going to be my life. Reminding yeah. people that they have the choice. They have a decision of how they want their life to unfold, despite what the world tells them around it. So it's really about being very intentional and what I hear with the resilience piece, as you become more resilient, you become a better decision maker. Yeah. Tell us it, about how that works for you. It's confidence in yourself. It really is. And it's that believing that you have everything inside you to get through a situation. And I've been through some really hard things. And everyone said, how did you do that? And I, I really sat down and thought about it one day and I thought, I never believed I couldn't. I never believed I couldn't be a good mom. I never believed I couldn't grow a business. So it's about that belief in yourself. And the limit pushing isn't pushing other people's limits. Most of the time it's pushing your own. And it's like, okay, so that was kind of hard, but I did it. So now this thing's really hard, but I can do that too. And People ask me now, like when something bad happens in your life, are you just like, all right, let's do it. I'm like, yeah, it, I kind of am. And that's how you reprogram your brain. 
the first time you go through something that seems really hard, it's going to seem really hard. But the 20th time that you face something really hard, you're like, okay, I have the tools. This is what I need to do next. Um, that was my son's cancer journey. He came home. I'm like, okay, we're going to talk to this doctor. You know, three days later, we were having a biopsy. He was, I say we, because I was there for the journey with him, but it's about taking the bull by the horns, so to speak. Like this is your life. There's nothing more important than your life. So how are you going to make it what you want and not let other people tell you what it should be? And that's really the limit pushing. And that's really how we get where we want to go is by saying, no, I'm in control of the ship. Yeah. And making it what you want. We all have the ability. We just listen to the wrong voices sometimes. Very powerful message. I want to just sit there for a moment with everyone. Let's just everybody just take a big breath and just absorb what Karen has said, because it has been very powerful to have you on the show, share some of these tools with people so they can say, this is how I want my life to be. I do have a say I can make decisions and I deeply, completely love myself. Right. And I think that's where it comes down to when you deeply love and accept yourself for who you are and allow yourself to shine going back to the story of being too much yeah. well maybe everybody needs to be a little bit too much so that we, we can actually see who they are <laughs> we need more too much <laughs> i love it i love it so we're wrapping up here you know karen like we talked about earlier i can't wait to meet you in person my fellow canadian that we're gonna get together you know for a meal and connect I'm on the opposite side of the coast, on the west side in Alberta. So it's been really nice to connect with a fellow Canadian and really appreciate, let everybody listening to us all around the world think that we all have different accents. <laughs> so yes, throw them all off from east to west. Yes. Uh, I have two questions I love to ask my guests before we go into wrapping up a little bit more. What is one book other than the book that you've written that has had a huge impact in your life and why? Uh so many, um, but the one that jumped in my brain first was Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. Um, I love that book. And was there something particular in that book that stood out for you? It was about owning your magic. It really is about owning your magic um, and giving yourself permission. That's a power. And I was fortunate to meet Liz Gilbert and see her um, in person and powerful, powerful um, presentation that she did for us. And it's about giving yourself permission. Very important. Very, very important. My final question for you, Karen, is what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? I always say I have no money, but I'm so rich. Um, it's about enjoying the little things. It's about sunsets for me. I'm, I have a river in my backyard that I look at every minute I can. I built my house to be able to see that river from as many rooms as it was physically possible. Wow. Um, it's just, it's about the little things. Mm -hmm. I have three wonderful kids. Being a single mom has been the hardest thing I've ever done, but I have three amazing kids. 
that is what makes me successful. I said, if I never do anything, you know, that people see in the world, which I hope to do and have been doing, but the biggest success I will ever have is three good humans that I raised. And that was, that will always be my biggest success. So it's about looking for success in the, the ways that don't always show up on social media, because that's our thing. Yes. You know, we always compare ourselves, which we should not do. That's another part of my presentation, but you know, you only have to be better than you were yesterday. You don't have to be better than anybody else. Well, Karen, you've been definitely a kindred spirit and uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom and sharing, you know, your growth and your hard things and showing how you've come out the other side. I would love for you to now share with everybody how they can stay in touch with you or work with you and share along your resilience journey. Sure. Uh, My website is karendeanspeaks.com. You can find all kinds of information there. And if you want to follow me on um, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, my username is just Karen Dean Speaks. So if you search at Karen Dean Speaks, you will find me on all of those platforms. And I try to share lots of inspiring messages as often as I can. And on my website also, um, there's a pop-up that comes up that says, join my community. And you can join my community and I send out um, different inspiration that is not on my social media. And, you know, lots of different tidbits and offers that can help you live the best life you possibly can. Well, Karen, it's been a delight to have you here on the Millionaire Woman Show. I hope everyone you're going to press replay so you can go back and listen to the, some of the things that you can be doing in your life to really build those principles of being resilient, being a limit pusher, being able to move into loving yourself compassionately to become the decisive decision maker we know you are. All of these things help build you into who you're becoming. And as Karen said, you know, better than yesterday. I have a necklace here that's stronger than yesterday. So it's really about who are you becoming and how are you showing up in the world and they're being very unintentional. The biggest things, like I said, that Karen that stood out for me with Karen's interview is that's not going to be my life. I get to choose what that looks like. And I deeply and completely love myself. So for all of you out there, thank you for listening on behalf of Karen and myself. Thank you for listening to the Millionaire Woman Show. You can go over to my website at www.debrakosowski.com where you can get your 10-page Reset Your Mindset right now. And as always, Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world and go out and make today great. Thanks, everyone. 